Hey, Sweat Elite podcast listeners, Matt here again. Thank you for tuning in to another podcast episode. Today, I interview or speak with longtime friend Thomas Potzinger, who is an assistant coach of world-famous coach Renato Canova. So firstly, a bit about Canova, Renato Canova, that is. He is one of the most successful distance running coaches in the world. I believe he has coached more sub-205 male and sub-222 female marathon runners than any other coach. He's Italian-born but spends a lot of his time in Kenya now. And Thomas Potzinger, who I interview on this podcast, is an assistant coach of his, as I said, and spends a lot of time with Canova, helps out some of his athletes, and has learnt more or less everything about Renato Canova's training philosophy, and we speak a lot about that on this podcast episode. So I've known Thomas Potzinger since the first time I went to Kenya, which is about three years ago, even though we did vaguely know each other before that, just via social media. And Thomas Potzinger has been living in Kenya for, I think, about five or six years now. So we speak a lot about his time in Kenya, what it's like living there. And then, of course, the main focus of this podcast episode is talking more about Renato Canova's training principles, ideas, key training sessions, and so on. So this podcast episode is a good listen to anyone uh, interested in improving as a longer distance athlete. So for example, 10K through the marathon, even though Canova has had success with coaching some middle distance athletes as well. So we speak a bit about that. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode with Thomas Potzinger. Today I have on the call from Iten in Kenya, Thomas Potzinger, who has been a friend of mine for many years who has worked under the guidance of elite distance running coach Renato Canova for some time now. Thank you for joining today, Mr. Potzinger. How's things in uh, in Uh Everything is good. Just a bit rainy the last weeks or two months already. <laughs> a lot of rain here, but otherwise everything is good. Yeah, cool. Uh, so I met you, I think the first time I came to Kenya, that would have been about three years ago now. And I did know before that because I think perhaps we had each other on Instagram or something like that. But since then, yeah. pretty much no time I have been to Kenya and discussed different people in the development by contributing your wisdom and information and some articles. So I guess I'd like to publicly say thank you for all of your help. And it's awesome to be on a podcast episode today where we can discuss a bit more about what you've learned from the master of, uh, I guess, marathon training. He's he's probably one of the, or he, he is one of the best run, uh, distance running coaches in the world, Renato Canova. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, also, thank you for the invitation. And yeah, I would like also to talk about Renato because <laughs> I'm a big yeah. fan since many years. And yeah, in my opinion, also, he is the best marathon coach I've ever met so yeah so let's start from the start where did you meet Renato and how did you come across him and how did you begin working with Renato um already 2013 when I came the first time to Kenya I wanted to meet Renato because I have watched some YouTube uh, interviews with him and that time when I came to it then he was not here because he was in China working with the Chinese national marathon team. And so I had to wait until he came back to Kenya. And then I met him 2015, the first time 
luckily because I joined sometimes Florence Kiplagat in training and Florence um, is and was an athlete of Renato. Um, mm-hmm. So from then I I tried to be near to him, to have many conversations, to visit him like daily almost when he is around and talk with him about training and also join him on the training sessions when he goes with the athletes for for timing the sessions or anything like that. Yeah. Perfect. And I guess we could spend this whole podcast episode talking about some of those training sessions because some of them are absolutely ridiculous and to the point where if when we post some of them online, a lot of people just don't don't, don't believe them um, because they are so long and so difficult. Uh, but I guess we can talk a little bit about some of those training sessions a little bit later on in the episode. Yeah. But for now, um, it's uh, yeah. Thanks for sharing how you how you met him, and I, I obviously appreciated you introducing me to Renato um, the last time I was in Kenya, and it was really good to have him talk to the the group that I brought over. Um, but I guess before we go on about more specifics with working with Canova, uh, what a bit, little bit about your your background? You, you have quite an interesting background because you were a, a keen runner as a as a young kid, and then you sort of drifted away from the sport for a while, and then you you you've you've made your way back there, and you've sort of immersed your yourself in the sport now. So maybe you could elaborate a little bit about the uh, about the history of how you how you made your way to Kenya. Um. I just loved when I was like six, seven years, I, I loved to run in the playground. But then I, I started to play basketball um, at the age of seven. And I played until the age of 14, like everyday basketball, but I'm quite short and very light. That was at that time. With, so basketball wasn't the real, the real sport for me. And then with 15, I started to work in the industry and stopped completely sports and then um, around the age of 23 I was not really satisfied when working in the car industry and just in front of a machine and then I was thinking to change something in my life and I was thinking what I loved when I was a kid and it was sports and in particular running and then the age of 23, I started like jogging and it came immediately back that I I want to do this. And then I tried to find ways. I met the first time like Kenyans running in my hometown and I was like really amazed by them. And I wanted to visit Kenya as soon as possible. Um, then I also started to to go to university because I was going to evening school that time. So I got like the a scholarship, educational scholarship for university, and yeah, and already the first internship, which I was a must for the course for the study course, I did in Kenya. So I tried to combine it, and this was 2013. So I was working for an Austrian management, and yeah. But I wanted to go immediately to Iten, so the following year I tried to spend most of the time in Iten because they are the the best people, the best coaches. I wanted to meet also Renato because I also knew that I want to coach. Um, First, I want to run just because it's my passion, and... I believe that my real talent is coaching, so I 
I my future already belongs to coaching. <laughs> yeah. Well, you uh, you were one of the few people that I leaned on this year for training advice to lower my. I mean, of course, I'm not elite, but you know, I lowered my personal marathon best from 243 to 227 in in one year, and you were giving me quite a bit of advice uh, about what I should be doing at the at different times of the of the season, which was very helpful, and I can definitely tell that that you do have a, a future in coaching, and you even got your a, a quite a large qualification this year under the uh, with with the help of Canova. Yes, first of all, I also wanted to say that you have anyway a great understanding for uh, for training. Um, so I had just like a small things what I what I told you <laughs> or what what I could advise you. Most of the things you did already right or almost everything. So it was not <laughs> it was just a bit. Um, this year Renato asked me already to to sub or to to follow the training of Yasmin Khan, mm-hmm. who is uh, more times European champion, and as long he was not around, so. It was like five, six months. I followed the training and it was a great experience, of course, to work with with a top athlete because she was also, I think, number eight in the Rio Olympics in 10,000 and with 30-26, quite one of the fastest of all time in 10,000. Yeah, it was a great experience. <laughs> yeah. And awesome. I'm coaching also some, some athletes from outside, like from India and it's still yeah. something what I'm not really pursuing for now because I still want to run a bit and doing some other stuff. But once I start serious coaching, I will do only coaching from 2024. <laughs> That's what I yeah. know. You, yeah. you yourself uh, would like to run quite a fast marathon in the next four or five years. You've you've definitely improved in uh, in the time you've been in Kenya, but you've had a few setbacks with injuries and so on. But what is your what is your Target. I mean, you don't have to be too specific if you don't want. But what are your your personal goals before you want to become full time coach? Um, let's say I just want to reach my own potential, which I am still very far from it because now I have only the two forty two from in marathon from twenty sixteen, and honestly, I had like three stress fractures. I had <laughs> plantar fasciitis, like really serious, and a lot of injuries because my body went really through a lot here training. Because I I also don't want to train like an amateur. I want to train like a professional, like more or less twice a day, just to experience also how it is. And I will not accept something between because I want to understand what it means to go to the limit in training and because I also don't want to coach amateurs. I want to coach professional and full-time athletes. So nothing else is for me interesting. And... um. Somehow, I, for me, running this year under 2.30 marathon is my goal, my short-term goal now. And somehow I believe that it's possible for me to come towards 2.18. But if I'm all the time injured, it's very hard. But I see ladies running 2.18. I believe, why not? But yeah. now it seems everything a bit unrealistic. But sometimes we need to be unrealistic. <laughs> But only with myself. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yes. 
no, I do believe in I do believe in the goals that you've set. I think they are realistic. Um, I think it's uh, it's good, and it depends which way you look at it. But in my opinion, it's good that you have really tested your limits in the last few years because you are still only you are around my age. Uh, 33, <laughs> but 33. I don't feel like that age because my body is somehow fresh because I started yeah. 25 running. So exactly, and I mean many people run very well well into their late 30s and early 40s. So I feel like you've had a long time to to improve upon, and you you know where your limits are now. I think, and it's uh, it's good to see you back. Thank you. <laughs> so I think we can talk a little bit about Canova now. Um, Yes. I think you would be the best person potentially on earth to describe uh, his uh, his his results. So I will allow you to do that now. Tell, uh, maybe you can share exactly, or well, as best you can, um, Renato's history, uh, who he has coached in terms of the very best, and then after that we can get on to about some of his specifics about his philosophies and so on. Um, Renato was. Uh, quite early already passionate about athletics, but he was a decathlon athlete, so he knows most of the disciplines and he has a personal best in every discipline from 100 meters to marathon. I think what is quite impressive was his um, 400 hurdles, 52, and then 1440-something in 5,000, 31 in 10,000. 2.52 I think in marathon but he didn't train for it and he walked like the last 8k <laughs> um, he told me that his dream was also to represent uh, Italy one time at least in European championships or something as a decathlon athlete um, but already when he was like 23 or 22 the federation wanted him as a coach and he has a degree in sports science and like something like that. And he was also more like never a real athlete. He was always looking the others, like what they are doing, how they run. And it's the same for me. I, when I'm running and I see others running, I look how they run. I, I observe other athletes. I'm not don't want to compete <laughs> more or less and also Renato is someone who is not he want to that others become strong so he also had this 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 kind of helping others so and then already the others could see he can be a great coach so he started coaching decathlon and then he was coaching middle distance runners in Italy then he was coaching also the marathon team. They become even world champion, but please don't ask me which year, but the Italian team. And he coached several Italians who ran to 10 to 11, winning uh, New York marathon. And so he had also success with Europeans, <laughs> not only Kenyans. And uh, I think Kenya, he came the early 90s or something. And then he... He immediately saw the talent there. He saw the two brothers, Christopher Koske and Stephen Chavona, later Saeed Chahin, doing hills in Iten. <laughs> and he immediately said, my dream is to coach one-time athletes like this. And mm. it came it came soon that he started to coach Christopher Koske, who became also a world champion in steeplechase. And then Saeed Chahin, I think it's history. And he started to coach for the Qatar uh, national team here in Kenya the, because they they 
took a lot of Kenyans for Qatar. <laughs> so, and then he, the way in Kenya was more or less like he got many athletes because when, once you have success with athletes, also the Kenyans, they come to you, they ask you, please, can you coach me? And also that time, Dr. Rosa, uh, the management started to, to have some athletes here. And that time there were like no Kenyans running marathon. So it was the first agent to, 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 to bring also Kenyans to marathon. And they didn't know a lot about marathon training and Renato introduced, introduced it to Kenyans. And then also it become like a storm <laughs> from the nineties that the Kenyans started to dominate marathons. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. Of course, Renato had coached many, many really successful Kenyan Kenyan uh, marathon runners, and also one of the first uh, really strong ladies together with because Gabriela, because the Kenyan coaches had the opinion that ladies couldn't run that much volume, so ladies were sta- were still slow in comparison to the Japanese ladies, the Kenyans. So yeah. Whether you ask me which athletes or something specifically. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, you've described him quite well. I mean, there is obviously there is obviously many more athletes, and if we if we go through them all, we'll be here for a long time. But yeah, he is a uh, he is arguably the best uh, long distance running coach in the world. I say arguably because there is obviously some others that have, uh, for example, Patrick Sang, that has coached uh, runners, uh, I guess, faster than his athletes. But in terms of the uh, consistency. And depth of the athletes that he coaches, there is uh, it's hard to it's hard to beat him. But um, he does have a, a different, I guess, or a slightly different running training philosophy to many other coaches. And it would be good to talk a little bit more about that now. Um, and his philosophy, I guess, is somewhat misunderstood sometimes um, because it's uh, it's quite different at least in my opinion to say Arthur Lydiard's that's sort of more revolved around uh, doing mileage and focusing on sort of easy to moderate uh, long runs whereas Canova is all about running at the race pace and extending that race pace until the point where you can run well 75 or 80 percent of the distance in training at the race pace so I guess we could talk a little bit more about that now how would you describe Renato Canova's philosophy in in a minute or two, and then maybe we can talk about how they how it difference how it uh, it is different. Sorry, to the other main uh, training philosophies out there. Um, for me, a big difference in Renato's program in comparison to what I see here in Kenya, because this is what I what I can see Kenyan coaches in comparison, like also Patrick Sang and Renato or. Some Kenyan other just here in Eton. For me, Renato works like with more modulation. So, like an, a very big session with long rest between or enough rest. But of course, these sessions are built up in like in several periods and you can't do them just immediately. <laughs> And also people don't understand um, the difference between uh, top talent who has trained many years and an average runner. You never can compare this. So most in the, the typical Kenyan philosophy is Tuesday speed work, 
and then like Patrick does on Thursday long run and then on Saturday fat leg and between some easy running and also quite high mileage because in Kenya I say also the small small boys and small girls train 150 kilometers per week which is necessary to, to reach the potential and minimum and then for Renato it can be in the building period that he do three sessions per week which are not too hard and then towards the end when it becomes very specific because also Renato says um, for him the real marathon preparation starts when the athlete believes he is ready for marathon so <laughs> that's the last eight weeks ten weeks where he really do a lot of specific stuff where you where you run really like more than 50 to 80 percent like in race near race pace on the of the distance so but then you also need like three four days even sometimes four days recovery and here especially this is also a big point why some um athletes didn't reach their potential when another is not around and he cannot follow the athlete um and the athlete doesn't understand quite uh, this kind of training approach, it's very easily to get injured. And if there are uh, some other coaches following with this program and they try to force a session on a specific day where the athlete would maybe still need one day more easy, injuries can happen and, and yeah. That is one thing that I really do agree with. I mean, I actually use Canova's philosophy more or less myself i i tweak it slightly because i don't have the uh i guess the natural the natural talent or the miles in my legs of some of the athletes that he coaches but at the same time i i use mostly his ideas and uh i do think now that the idea of doing already planned training on a on a tuesday thursday and saturday i fully understand that if you are part of a team and you have a a coach and it's like a, a university team or it's a, a, a team where people are, for example, rec, uh, sub-elite or recreational runners, you know, you kind of need that structure in the week to all get together Thursday afternoon track session and Saturday morning tempo, for example. I, I, I do see that side of things. But if you're talking about the real elite end and to get the absolute most out of yourself, um, this idea about having a pre-planned day of the week to do every training session kind of doesn't make sense anymore because you really need to more so listen to your your body and you need to understand that well if you do a really hard training session um we can list a couple of examples from canova like he will get his athletes to do a tempo run of uh, sorry not a tempo run a, an alternating uh, pace run of between 25 and 34 kilometers where they will do for example two kilometers at uh, a marathon race pace or just faster and then one kilometer slightly slower and they will do this for uh, 25 to maybe 33 kilometers that training session you cannot have one easy day after that <laughs> you need to <laughs> you, need, you need to have you need to have maybe four three or four so uh, all of a sudden these are very specific long quality sessions which is uh, i guess the bread and butter of canova's theory um you really yeah. need to have uh, much more recovery after these training sessions and uh and that's what I have been doing, and, and you helped, uh, even though I did understand his ideas beforehand, you, you really helped uh, me, I guess, crystallize them in my mind and fully understand it. And I've been, I've been implementing that in my own training in the last few months, and it's definitely helped because I was able to lower my personal best marathon time a few times by quite large margins. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, 
Yeah, that's something that I really, I really agree with um, of Canova's idea, which you kind of explained there already. It's that you can't really, if you really want to get the most out of your 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 body, you can't really have, in my opinion, anyway, um, you can't really have predetermined days of the week to do training sessions. Yeah, it it works for uh, Kipchoge. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, it's, but... it's kind of confusing in a way, but but then again, he is very good at like maybe taking some training sessions not so hard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, for him, I I believe he, and that's also somehow a good marathon approach, because in marathon you also maybe the last 3k or something you go absolutely to the maximum. But he never trains more than 90% because the sessions what he does are, are quite easy for someone who can run two or one <laughs> to run uh, two k's in 250 pace. This is is really not demanding. So. And then the fat leg sessions, also the long runs are not so fast. Like uh, you find uh, people like Abel Kirui or Moses Mosop or even Sondre did faster long runs than than uh, Kipchoge does usually. Yeah. So <laughs> because yeah. he does 40, 40 k's in two twelve, but for him it is everything progressive. He has uh, the 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 greatest uh, consistency. And also he just has the, the already also the speed from the 5,000 and, and like in comparison to Abel Kirui, because Abel Nitt, who was a two times world champion, um, he needs fast long runs in order to reach his potential. When he trained the same program like Kipchoge, it doesn't work. And that's the problem in the, in like groups like this. Um, some may benefit and some not. Um, yes. But for Kipchoge, it works. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, while I was saying what I just said about, oh, the whole pre-plan, I had Kipchoge in my mind and I was thinking, I kind of sound like I don't know what I'm talking about because, you know, Kipchoge is the greatest marathon runner of all time. You could argue, okay, some would say Bikili might, might, mm-hmm. might run faster soon. But uh, Kipchoge actually does have the pre-planned, uh, you know, track session on a certain day of the week. Uh, and the long run on the Thursday and the fart leg on the Saturday, I think it is from memory. Um, I will link the training program in the show notes of this podcast. But um, mm. it's uh, I know having been to Captagat and witnessed some of his training, uh, he does definitely not run the training sessions uh, all out. At least uh, he may do occasionally, but uh, even he has said before on different platforms that he never trains 100%. Um, mm. What do you think, though, about... Uh, I mean, it's an impossible real question to, to answer, but if Kipchoge did take the Canova philosophy on board, do you think he would see a further improvement or do you think that it just really works for, for him, what he is currently doing? It's impossible um, to translate it because uh, Patrick is not only the coach, he's like his father. So yeah. with someone else, it... <laughs> It would not work, I'm quite sure. But in my opinion, he could definitely run still faster. And I believe that many can run under two hours. <laughs> That's what I believe. Um, mm-hmm. If if Moses Mosop would have uh, like not the domestic problems and Renato would have not gone to China because it was exactly that years, um, Moses could have, in my opinion, run also under two hours. But 
and even also I believe that Kipchoge still would have room in improvement of his training program but this is very hard to argue and now I don't know he will first of all there will be no change they will continue but everything maybe he can still progress but <laughs> it's incredible because also he is not getting younger but he's still improving so it's amazing <laughs> because 2012 he was like uh, I know the story when from also from Renato when he was in the Olympic trials in Eugene in the 10,000 meter trials and Wilson Kiprop was was an athlete of, of Renato he won the trials in front of Moses Masai and that day I think Kipchoge was number six or something he didn't make the team and that day he decided I start marathon running <laughs> and it was just like now I'm not fast enough anymore mm-hmm. so and these people who were at that time on the track with him like Moses Masai, or the, they are old now, they, like more or less, then they are not running at all. Wilson Kiprop, for example, also. And Kipchoge is the only one that it's just incredible <laughs> in yeah. consideration of the age and that he still progressed. But yeah, <laughs> we don't know the potential. For me, it is more interesting to talk about <laughs> in terms of uh, what times are possible with Kenanisa, because if Kenanisa would um, get some months of consistent training, I think we will see a very fast time in in a in a regular race. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in one of the uh, in one of the last podcast episodes, in fact, in 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 a couple of them, we've we've talked a little bit about that and how he how um, Kenanisa Bakile had uh, had two months of consistent training and ran two hundred one forty one. So it'll be uh, <laughs> it'll be an interesting uh, it'll be an interesting year next year but uh i think now would be a good idea to to talk a little bit about the key elements of canova's training so so uh what um, so so we've already sort of mentioned that uh, the athlete has to be conditioned to start the specific period and of course there are several there are yeah. a couple of periods before that starts but when we do get to this sort of specific period which is the really really specific work for the for the marathon um or or, or the half half marathon we can talk about both at the same time mm-hmm. and we can give example sessions what are the the key ingredients to the uh to the uh, canova philosophy yeah it's like uh, um uh, intervals near marathon base there are several sessions to do to, to build there and then he cut the recovery the the intervals become longer the intervals become faster it can be like really specific sessions, which are like maybe even seven times 3K in in marathon, a bit faster than marathon base, and then 1K medium between. Because mm-hmm. the important thing with these sessions is that they they really empty your glycogen stores. So afterwards, you learn to store more like... You, you can store more petrol and that's that's the most important for marathon because you don't want to go empty like hitting the wall um, which used to be a term like for for running marathon but it's hitting the wall is always the problem of the training and uh, maybe training too slow for the goal what you want to run and of course then you you don't have the energy stores to to finish that kind of pace and that's why you need around like 21 to 30k in very fast specific uh, pace 
where you really empty the stores and then you can f you can store more afterwards and that's how you really prepare the body but to come there it takes some time because if this is how you you can run fast in a race but you also need to 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 be able to handle this kind of sessions and for this you need first slower stuff to build the body and also to first to to build the mileage when renato like start the 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 when someone come back from a race from from a resting period or injury or something it might be even that like Eric Kitanui after he had the problem he fall on the track and he had a knee problem and then you start even doing three times 8k easy on one day then the other day 16 and and just to build the volume and then doing some hill sprints some short fast stuff and that's you build the body and then you start slowly doing some sessions you six times 2k with whereby the, the 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 between the kilometers are not too fast yet and then when you come towards the the specific period yeah you need also to cut the sessions because when you do the easier sessions you can do three of them per week and also also in that period you do also more hills and more short, uh, short uh, speed on the track because also it depends also on the athlete because yeah. if like Betsy Saina, she came from Patrick Sang. I was the one to recommend that she join Renato after Sondre Han to zero five. And for her, I didn't work the approach in Katagat. And I really recommend her because she is not that big talent, but she can train hard and she, she can do a lot of training like she did in US with this Rick, I don't know, but he has a similar approach like Renato, a lot of volume long sessions. And I knew Betsy needs something like this. So when she came to Renato, he, he also built on her strengths because she had a 30.07 in 10,000. So someone with good speed, you need to, to, to start to bring the speed back. And then you extend the speed. But like Abel Kirui, who is uh, like uh, someone who has 13, 30 in in 5000 <laughs> for him to to come from the speed is useless because but he can do 40k in 205 in in Kenya in, in altitude in Nangili and mm. that's what what Abel needs so you come from the long sessions and then you make them faster and yeah. for Betsy you you come from like 600s 400s 200 long but also long sessions and then you extend them, you extend the speed. So it is always always individual, and that's why I believe Renato is the best because he he is the one who consider more or less the strengths of the athlete. What I have not seen from other coaches in in Kenya, but maybe I have a blind um, some something what I don't re recognize because many Kenyan coaches have also very big success with some athletes. So yeah, yeah, I'm still open to learn, and I would, and I've never met, and I've never talked with uh, Patrick, so I still want. I wish I learn also a bit from him. <laughs> so yeah, um, because now Agable, the not Agable, he has incredible success, especially this year with uh, Philemon Rodo two zero five zero zero almost two four. <laughs> Then now it's Bilen Keegan running the European record, who is also in this group, and then Kamwara winning New York, which was not fast, but the half marathon world record, and then 
yeah, so has a lot of success, especially this year. <laughs> and, mm. uh, Patrick. Yeah, okay. So to summarize what you just said about his training, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I guess phrasing it in this way may be close to being accurate. He His goal for everyone is to be able to do a lot uh, I guess uh, when the time comes closer to the race, uh, we're talking three to six weeks before, the ideal scenario is that the athlete can run a lot of distance, ideally very uh, close to maybe 80% of the duration of the event they're training for at their race pace. But the way he gets there is he has a number of different methods. It depends on the athlete. He can bring athletes mm. from the, sh- the speed end by extending their repetitions of 400s or 600s or one kilometers out to a point where they're doing 3Ks and 5K repetitions, or he could take the longer distance athlete um, to bring down their speed uh, from sort of moderate to easy runs down to a point where they're running close to their race pace uh, or their race pace for a long period of time. Is that is that pretty accurate? Yeah, yeah, very, very good. Um, brought yeah. to the point, better than me. <laughs> I have no, a lot of just, things uh, in the mind, but it's hard for me to explain. No, I mean, <laughs> no, this gave... was very, very accurate. Yeah, very accurate. You, you and, gave uh, example sessions there, so that's what we were after as well. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, maybe that's better for also for understanding for someone uh, what Renato does. Because yes. somehow, especially the specific period, uh, there are a lot of similarities with many athletes um, in terms of the program. So like the four four weeks before the marathon, the 40K, very specific. Because for this one, you need also like the, the, the four weeks of recovery before the marathon. <laughs> and yep. then also like you did, <clears throat> you can do 10, 11 to 12 times 1K off, 1K like on off. Um, like two and a half weeks before the marathon. There are some things what Renato does in the specific period with most of the athletes because in the end, the goal is the same to, to, to run marathon fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in the end, uh, everyone uh, should do quite specific sessions and there is not a differentiation anymore because in the marathon, even the speed guy and the endurance guy need to run the same pace. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. Yeah. So that 40k run one month before, ideally, that's what sort of pace is the goal there? Because it's not quite at race pace, but it's close. Like, what what is the idea of that? And is and is the run a consistent pace, or how does it how does it work? This one is usually in consistent pace. But if, for example, the athlete is not ready for it, he he can't do it. Like with Betsy, did like only 30k. Uh, yeah. this time in preparation before Chicago, which he ran then Toronto because the preparation was too short. But usually he does here in Kenya, the 40K in Angili, which is near Nairobi and uh, I think uh, near Eldoret. It's quite low, 1800 uh, altitude and really flat and the fastest course. And there the goal is usually like, the time what you run for 40k, a Kenyan there can run the time in the marathon. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, there's been a few good yeah. examples of that where people have run. I don't remember. Was it was it Wilson Kipsang or Kipsang, I can't remember. Yeah. He ran at two three forty k in Nangili and he ran then the world record two or three twenty three. So <laughs> four weeks after. So um, three for forty k. If he continued at that pace, it would have been a marathon. In Kenya, in training, in about two o nine. Yeah, 
Yeah. Which is quite crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was, a re it really changed that time when Kipsang also joined the 40k. It, it, I think there were on that day, there were 10 people running 40k under 210 or something. And also, Abel ran 205 two times there. And yeah, yeah. Kipsang was, for example, someone who really visited often Renato and talked a lot about the training because Kipsang was self-coached and very intelligent uh, person in terms of understanding from training. And I believe that Kipsang, it is little known about his training, but I believe he had more modulation. And if he would have uh, had like more discipline, I believe he could also uh, like of course he was very disciplined it's hard to to judge like this but maybe Kipchoge is an extraordinary example of discipline so <laughs> yeah but Kipsang was really intelligent and he had a more modulation training as well and also Moses Mosso and mm -hmm. Abel Kirui yep. so and that other training session that you mentioned uh, I I favor uh, very much so. And I've also noticed by following quite a few very elite runners on Strava and also talking to some elite runners such as Zane Robinson and Jake Robinson, the, the one kilometres on, one kilometres off for around 20K, that is a very, in my opinion, a very effective training session to do maybe two and a half to three, three and a half weeks before the big day. So you will do, uh, at least in my case, I did one kilometre uh, a little bit faster than my goal pace and then one kilometre a little bit slower than my goal pace for, for 20 kilometres. And I I feel like that's a big, a big confidence booster and a very challenging workout as well. And I've noticed that yeah. many, many elite athletes are doing this. Canova's group, uh, Jack Rayner from Australia, who ran to 11 at the uh, London Marathon this year in his debut marathon. Uh, I'm pretty sure Scott Forbes has done it as well from the US 209 guy. Mm -hmm. I, I could be wrong, but mm -hmm. I think I saw that one day. Um, and also, of course, the Robinsons, and I'm sure there are many more. But that's a good, a very good specific session. <laughs> But I guess, like you said, much like the 40K session, you have to be ready for it. Otherwise, uh, it, it won't really work. Very well. Yeah, and well. you can start um, to do them um, slower, and then you, you come. You, That's true. First you, but usually the, the, the fast should be already around the marathon goal base, but the recovery can be fast slower, and, and also the total distance can be less, and then towards the race, you need to cut it. Like Sondre now, before Valencia, he did uh, 24k, 12 times 1k. I think the average for the fast was 253 and 3.07 for the uh, for the slow. <laughs> so oh. the average was 24k in 3.00 exactly. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, Sondre had a really incredible for, uh, session. Just quickly for listeners, Sondre Moen uh, only three days ago ran Valencia Marathon, same race as I did. Uh, mm. But he was uh, about 19, no, sorry, he was 21 minutes ahead of me in 2.06. <laughs> uh, 2.06.12, I think it was. 17 um, or 12, maybe, I'm not sure, no? <laughs> yeah, somewhere, somewhere um, in the teens, 2.06, somewhere in the teens. And, uh, and that was his second fastest time, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah ran two, two years after his last marathon. Um, yep. And I think this is a perfect segue, actually, now to spend the, the next maybe 10 minutes at least uh, to discuss a little bit more about Sondre because uh, he is uh, one of the fastest non-Africans in the world over the marathon and you know him very well and uh, mm. he's uh, nice enough to say it's okay for us to discuss a little bit about him on this podcast. So yeah. 
Uh, yeah, you got to know him because Sondre, so sorry for listeners that are not familiar, Sondre Moen is a Norwegian distance runner who who has a 205 personal best for the marathon. He's run 59, 43 or 47 for the half, 48. And uh, he is probably, um, in my opinion, at least at the moment, and I'm, I'm sure you'll probably agree, the the one that has the potential to run under 205 as a, as a non-African soon. Um, there's probably mm-hmm. a, a couple others as well that maybe, for example, Julian Wonders that may do it in the next few years, but of course, Sondre also has a good chance. And uh, yeah, so you you got to know him because he spends quite a lot of time in Kenya, and um, mm. it would be good to have a bit of a talk about about some of the uh, the training that he has been doing leading up to this two hundred six in in Valencia. So you mentioned uh, this twenty four k of one k on one k. Uh, I don't know if I would call three hundred sevens off, but uh, it was <laughs> very yeah, fast. Yeah. That's uh, that's a very solid. Very fast training session, but uh, he was also doing some very fast stuff a few months before, which uh, which we talked about when I was in Kenya in September. Mm, no, his preparation was incredible. Um, sure, the best training he ever had, because before he ran the 205-48, uh, especially the last month, wasn't really great anymore. He had uh, already some like small like overtraining but on the day he was really energetic but the pacing in Fukuoka was was just incredible it was like 130 uh, for the 130-0 something in the 30k so perfect pacing in Valencia now they go 128-15 I think the 30k and then the the 2k from 30 to 32 he ran he told me 545 so it was very inconsistent based on them once he lost the contact to the group he lost also the the motivation to maintain the base which is still a bit problem because it also happened in thinking Copenhagen and where he when he lost the the the, the group that he slowed down dramatically um yeah, this time, he, for example, what was really amazing, I think five weeks before Valencia, he did a 45k in in Sestriere because this time he was preparing most of the time in Italy, also in high altitude, 1900 and sometimes going a bit down for some sessions. But he did a 45k in 228, I think 317 average. <laughs> and... Yeah, he had a, a session like with 9K, 6K, 5K, 4K, which was total 31K. And the, the average pace was like from all the intervals, like the first one was just in marathon pace, but the rest was everything was faster. So, wow. Uh, <laughs> so just some really incredible uh, sessions. <laughs> Yeah. And he felt also really good. And, and in my opinion, it's not a question that Sonder can run two or four. He can also run two or three. Um, I'm quite sure. Maybe he, or why not two or two? <laughs> um, we will see. But he told me now he won first a marathon where he go for two or five, but with a negative split. <laughs> because mm-hmm. this time it was like really, he was on two or three high pace. And Until uh, 30 32k, 32k yeah. was still slightly under two for predicted time. So that's especially for someone like Sonder, who is also an endurance guy. Um, 
is very hard the 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 inconsistent pace because when the pacemaker Victor Chuma dropped out at the 31k dollar a dollar this guy a dollar was pushing really hard <laughs> so this this broke Sonder so and maybe also the last week he told me he did because usually like uh, Saturday one week before the race one week and one day Renato always does within the 600 times 10 plus 400 times 10 to get mm-hmm. the, the legs moving and there he didn't feel that good and then um, he did the, the 5k on I think on Tuesday 5k in marathon base uh, before the marathon and there he told me it was not so feeling so well especially in the truck session but it was okay it was like the 600s in 137 and the uh, the, the 464, 63. So was the same what he did in Fukuoka, but the time he did the session in Dambach in Kenya in 1,900 meters altitude, and there it was really strange because he was together with Eric Kiptanui, who is a 58-42 guy on that day with the session, and the first two 600s he was like really far behind the guys. <laughs> I think he ran 142 or something. <laughs> I was like thinking, this guy ran 59. <laughs> and suddenly, and then Renato, like after five, six, uh, six hundreds, Renato told him, um, if you want, we can stop. This training will not change anything anymore. Um, but let's try, you go in front and then we see. And when suddenly when he ran in front of the group, he was like running 137, um, and it looked suddenly better, and then also the 464 in Dumbach. So it was a really strange day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a little bit odd. Um, also, also, Sonda told me like uh, before he ran the 59, he had like a 10 times 200, uh, very short, uh, short session in 30 seconds, and it felt like an all-out sprint. But when he came to to Valencia, he ran really good, fifty nine forty eight. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But also, what I wanted to say about Sonde, this is what people maybe it was not a good approach that time. But what people don't understand the difference between someone like Sonde, who is a first of all a world class runner and in a sport which is very competitive, the the fastest non African. Uh, on a on a recordable course so it's an incredible achievement and for example when he came he came 2009 the first time to Kenya he was staying in Eldoret <laughs> and he was 17 years old and he ran in February 2009 1037 kilometers which is an I mean, average <laughs> sorry go on I was about to say that's an average what is the average Around 260 kilometers at in high altitude at the age of 17. So, so in miles, in miles, that's <laughs> about 170, maybe miles per week, 160, something like that. Um, 17 yeah. years of age at that. Yeah. So he was uh, he was quite keen back then. 
as well. <laughs> yeah, because uh, like also Renato say, you you can't be like on the top if you want to be a world class runner. You can't be an accountant. You need to be a bit crazy, and yeah, that showed already yeah. the the mental approach of 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 Sonde. Of course, of course, you need to be able to handle this kind of workload. <laughs> I was physically, uh, but just the mind, because maybe there are many who can handle this for some time. Because mm -hmm. he ran also that year with 17, 28, 55, I think in 10k on the road. <laughs> and so far. And then, but to but to try it, to have this man, this mind, uh, to try to run so much <laughs> with that age shows his mental approach to to running and. I have never met someone like uh, Sonde. Maybe Julian. I I don't know Julian Wanders uh, so good uh, personally, but for me, I've never met someone like Sonde. Um, Sonde also, when he was 19, he did already 45k in Moeben in in 2000 meters altitude in 3:25. So he had always this long long distance approach in his head. Mm. And of course, he had, especially when he came to Renato. Renato knew that if they want to improve he need to to be also fast on the 5000 and he ran also pp in 3000 2017 with renato because what really changed with renato was also the the overall quality and also the the speed the short speed what he didn't do before and that's why he improved and also um because people many say oh why he come from 212 to 25 within one year he already, after like four months staying with Renato, he did a uh, 40k also in Anguilla in 208. Already that time he could have run 28, but he ran, I think, 210 in Hamburg or somewhere in Germany. And, but he had really some uh, stomach issues and, and, but he was already that time in shape. So better shape. I never, I never just quickly, I mean, you know, on the same topic, but I, I, I always wonder, when when people drop a time from X to Y, so in Sondre's case, two eleven mm. to two oh five, uh, two twelve to two oh five, a lot of the time people don't know the context at all. So another good example is uh, Bridget, uh, the world record holder in the in the Kosky. marathon, Koskai. She, she she from what I remember reading, she started with like a. 247 marathon or something and people are sort of now saying how do you go from 247 to 214 well <laughs> maybe when she ran the first marathon she was just in high school and she didn't really train <laughs> so, she, was, she wasn't in high school but um she won and it was her first race so she yeah, yeah. first of all she didn't try to run faster <laughs> yeah. because if you win you you already you don't know what you can else do when you're exactly. already the fastest Exactly, and and I think the following year she ran in Milan already. I think two twenty five or two twenty seven or something, and you just need to look at Bridget and just the 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 the, the like the elasticity and the, like from the legs are completely straight. Like I have never seen someone like her, and very long. Like the the morphology of her is just perfect, and also the mind is incredibly aggressive. Yeah. So for me, 2017, I I told uh, like you know Forest Run, Betsy Isaina and Edna Kiplagat that for me Bridget is the big future, and also Renato had the same I, same opinion. But uh, what she is doing now is even more that I could have imagined. <laughs> but she still yeah. can run to 12, I'm sure. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so as well. I didn't mean to turn off the topic of Sondre. I was more so talking about, I, I think I, 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 will, I sometimes wonder when people don't understand the context. And in Sondre's case, many people do question, oh, how did he go from you know, 212 to 205 too quick, so quickly? But uh, there was other circumstances, uh, you know, other things involved there. For example, the, the, the run in Hamburg where he was probably capable of running 207, 208, but he, he had some stomach problems and he, and he didn't. Um, so yeah, but, uh, he also ran quite a fast half marathon just before his 205 as well. So that indicated he was ready to go. Um, 752 in 3000 PP, then the 1320, I think in 5000 PP, then 10,000. I'm not sure. He, no, he didn't run that year. 10,000, uh, on the, on the road in Prague, he ran 27.55 before he ran the 59. So it was coming and just it changed a lot in training and also the year before after 2016 he was in the olympics the running marathon and he that year he was self-coached he had always a lot of volume so his body was ready and then um he also told another like i want to give it like four or five years like full time like only running like um i want to give it like this years and then i can stop more or less um also, and then he started to stay, to stay old because Renata told him, if, if I coach you, um, it's between friends, like more or less, because also, uh, Renato asked him how much, blah, 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 ah, uh, Sondre. But, um, uh, Renata told him just that I wanted you stay in Kenya with me and you, you stay a lot to, in altitude. So this also changed. And then also short speed, like, 230 seconds in fat leg and all the hill sprints and many stuff which he didn't do before. Like Renato says, uh, the only training which is wrong is the one you don't do. So, mm. and that's what I really believe. A marathon runner also need like everything in training and not yeah. on long and slow or something or medium. <laughs> that's not. Because you need to activate all what all your your resources in the body to reach your potential, and that's what changed really when Renato uh, Sondra joined Renato, and and uh, for me Sondra is someone really ref who reflects himself a lot and and think a lot about running and training, and he he is one of the people who really see the qualities of Renato because many. Who doesn't know Renato? They talk or oh, killing people. Many Kenyans say it, but also, of course, jealousy. And if Renato is not around, it's really a problem. If the athletes follow uh, blind the program, um, but Sonder is someone very precise, like a German. Like <laughs> he, yeah. he write everything down, so there's always this feedback. Um, what, what, for example, is not there with the Kenyans because Sondre writes him every day, this and that I did. So, and this I did in the session. And so you can adapt. And yeah, yeah, that's why it works very well with Sondre. Of course, he had the troubles, um, when last year with some injuries. Of course, the body changed when he started to train and also this staying very long in altitude is a, is a stress for the body. And then he got some problems and, also Renato was not with him then it's also a bit problem because <laughs> Sondre even when he is tired he still go 200 220 kilometers per week <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> it's incredible 
He is an animal. Um, no, I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing what Sondre is capable of in the next few years. And uh, I, I'm assuming, or I'm hoping, I guess, he's going to line up in the Tokyo Olympics. Is that uh, is that most likely in his uh, in his plans? Do you think? Of course, yeah. Um, yeah. It was already after because this year he had still some troubles, and then he was a bit worried about the that he can run a marathon and qualify for Olympics. But of course, Olympics <laughs> is in his mind. And let's see. I'm not sure now about his planning. I think now he's taking some weeks off and is coming to Kenya. I think end of this month. So. Yeah. And then we'll start to prepare for Tokyo. Yeah, it's the big, yeah. big goal I think for every athlete Olympics. <laughs> so yeah. every athletic, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, there's two more quick topics I want to talk about before we round the podcast episode off, and maybe just a few minutes on both. But one has to do with a uh, something you sort of just mentioned a couple of minutes ago, and it's back on the training philosophy of Canova. And it's something that I learned, which I didn't know about last time I was in Kenya when I spoke to him in September. And it was the idea of a marathon runner or a half marathon runner or 10K runner doing short hill sprints as part of the training session. So I didn't really understand why that would be effective, but then when Canova explained it, it made sense to me. So how would you describe the reason behind that? to incorporate some short hill sprints into the plan because that's a, a pace that you do not access in a race, especially for a marathon. But uh, the way that Canova described it, it made sense. It is um, – I am not sure now how he described to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it is to recruit the real the fast twitch fibers. It is like a coordination exercise because it's like the inter and intra – coordination from the muscles from the uh, from the singular muscles which are required for running and you really activate them because you 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 are having the like the full you should do them with full speed like eight ten seconds and yeah for me also i i say that you have the the maximum um, impact on the passive structures so you also strengthen your structures so it helps also to prevent injuries and you do you don't lose the power because with many who run a lot of kilometers you you start to lose your your power and and the strength yeah especially here in kenya with the with like the up and down the altitude you run slower the average pace so you Sometimes you need to get back what you what you lost, <laughs> and sure. you really it's an coordination exercise and it's a strength. It's the most uh, specific strength work what a runner can do uh, hill sprints. So also Sebastian Co did more or less things like this, and he says it yeah. improves the running form. Yeah, you can call it how you want, but also I I believe you need to be careful with them because especially when you do a lot of volume, you need to do them when you are fresh. You do 10k, 8k in easy pace, and then you can do them. But don't do them if you run 20k and you are tired, and then you do them because everything what what can help you can harm you, but something what cannot harm you can also not help you, and that's the way with with hills. They can help you, but they can harm you also. So. It's a bit with careful to be careful with this hill sprints in my opinion. Yeah. Um, because I have seen some athletes getting problems with it. So 
he also added to it that, uh, oh, gee, I wish I'd recorded what he said, but it was something along the lines of when you get very tired in the end of the marathon and you start to, you know, your your glycogen stores are uh, slightly depleted. Yeah. He, he mentioned that you can access a little bit more sort of strength. And I wish I wish I remembered exactly yeah. how he described it, but it was something – it was something like it can really help you in the final stages with the with this. Um, yeah, because yeah. you can recruit you you can recruit the the other five the the, the fast twitch fibers also in the end of the marathon, because That's if right. you don't use the, if you don't use them you lose them you lose you don't lose the the amount of the fast twitch fibers but you lose the 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 volume if you do, if you don't do hill sprints or something short very fast. The volume of the fast twitch fibers becomes smaller, and then you, of course, you can't use them. And especially towards the end, you you can still recruit them. But if you don't do wheel sprints, you can't recruit them. Especially That's now, right. when you see uh, someone like Lawrence Cherono, is like really crazy in the finish. So I wonder what they what they does also in training that he is able to to recruit. This kind yeah. of power in the in the in the final stages, Boston now, Chicago, Chicago, yeah, last year in in Amsterdam, the guy ran the last two kilometers like crazy. Like this. <laughs> the last two point two kilometers in five fifty in Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, Lawrence Cherono is the second best um, Kenyan marathon runner, and I hope he will go also. To to London maybe together with with uh, Kenny and and Elliot or something like that because he need to be there. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay, thanks for describing that. And the last uh, the last thing I just want to ask you about is something that I have learned a lot about lately and discussed on other podcast episodes with people, and it's all about tracking uh, data and uh, GPS watches and. Uh, <laughs> And understanding, uh, I guess, uh, the idea of potentially putting psychological limits on yourself if you are doing too much tracking. I guess if someone asked you about this in the in the in a training camp, and uh, or if you are you know at a, at a race in Europe and so someone knows who you are and they ask you, what would you say about that? What, what's your opinion on uh, on on? I guess, <laughs> but firstly, but before you but before you sorry before you do answer, I wanted to say like the data. There is many different. There's obviously many different types of data, and I've even interviewed one data scientist, Marco Altuni from HRV4, training about uh, measuring stress levels, and that's a type of data. But, but what I'm talking more specifically in this question is about like knowing about uh, setting your, your, your paces in easy runs and your paces in training sessions and, and getting disappointed if you do not hit your target times of 255 for 10 times 1K and, and all of this sort of stuff, and, and I want to understand what you think about, about this. For for easy runs, I I have the opinion you need to run them. Well, for when you have recovery runs, you should feel like also another say you should feel afterwards better than than before you started the run. That's the meaning of and if this means running with five thirty pace, then you run with five thirty pace. If it means you run four twenty or four ten like Sondre. Uh, is running faster his easy runs than Kenyans, then you can do it like that. So it's the the main purpose is the recovery and not the pace behind. Um, if you have like a, towards the end of the preparation a certain goal times, like for one case or something, and you can't hit them, you of course it can be a daily factor that you are just tired or something, but. 
it can be also an indicator that you are not in the shape what you want to reach. <laughs> so, but <laughs> but simple. only only kilometer times are very like there are many factors who influence them, and of course, if you become crazy because of times, uh, you you just harm yourself. And there, are, for example, Kenyans are. They don't know a lot about some seconds more or less, and and they don't care that much. So it can help you if you have an, a more relaxed approach. I'm sure about it. It's better not because the times are there are too many factors. If you worry too much about times, you can lose the sight of many other factors and stress yourself for nothing. <laughs> exactly. Um, That's exactly right. In fact, the last thing you just said there, I couldn't agree more with. It's very true. It's, okay, well, uh, yeah, I mean, if there's anything more you want to add to that topic, feel free. <laughs> um, I, I would be, for myself, I'm interested in more factors to measure more more things than only this. Like, it would be interesting because lactate, for example, it's not interesting to measure it one one time or two times in one month. But to measure it all the time would be interesting because you, then you can learn about an athlete, but it's too individual. And also the HRV, this uh, for stress level, would be interesting to measure more things in running and be more scientific. Uh, hard, I think, to 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 bring it to Kenya <laughs> because Kenyans uh, in the end you need to feel your own body and it's too complex and it's the the most important is to feel to feel yourself and they are Kenyans are very sensible they are very tough but on the other hand they are very sensible sensitive with their body so and they are the best but yeah <laughs> yeah so no, you well, still can fine. learn a lot from them so absolutely <laughs> awesome well I've gone uh, a little over the hour again, uh, but thanks so much for your time uh, calling in from Kenya, and uh, I'm looking forward to catching up with you again in about a month's time when I'm back in Kenya again. Uh, yeah, I will be happy also to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks everyone for listening in. Okay, thank you.